Hey, friends, what's one thing you've said yes to that you weren't sure if you should at first, but then it turned out really great? Our guest today believes that being open to the Lord's leading is one of the most important skills he's learned. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 347, Mike Bolton and the Power of Yes. Welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. As always, I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Hey, thank you for being here. I am grateful that you are here. You've downloaded this show. I don't know if a friend told you about it or you just found it because you were looking for something about Christian experience. What is it actually like to walk with God in the 21st century? That's what we talk about here, the ups, the downs, everything in between. So I'm glad you're along for the ride. When you hear a story that really touches you, moves you today, would you do me a favor and just send this episode to a friend, text it to them, email it to them, mention it in a conversation. I don't care. Whatever works for you in your life. That's the way that the show grows best. It's the greatest compliment you can give. So thanks for doing that. Um, as always, there's also at halfwaytherepodcast.com. Some of you are able to go out and give a little bit, uh, hit that Patreon button, uh, every month. It does help us keep the show running. So thanks for those of you who already do that. If you feel moved to do it, you know where to go. All right, let's dive into our conversation today. I'm excited to have uh, this conversation. Our guest, he is, I love that uh, in, his, in his bio, he gives me a bunch of relationships, husband, father, grandfather, and loyal friend. I bet there's a reason that he uh, that he has those kinds of things in his bio. Our guest is Mike Bolton. Mike, welcome to Halfway There. I'm glad to have you. Hey, thank you, Eric. Excited to be here today. You know, we connected a while ago yeah. through a mutual friend, and it's just been, yeah, this is just it's really exciting to be able to connect on your podcast. It is. You know what? If somebody would have told me in, let's say, 2015, before I started my podcast, that Actually, the one of the best, most important things about podcasting would be the, the people that I meet. I don't know if I would have gotten it then, but uh, definitely today, it's one of my favorite things about podcasting. You know, you know, I heard a, a great phrase, and it's say yes and <laughs> figure out what's on the other side. That's right. And and that that kind of um, approach to life, instead of saying no to everything, not uh, you get it. This it's important to say no to certain things that are kind of outside our lane. Right. But I'm always excited to say yes about things and see because it gives me a chance to meet new people, explore new ideas, um, new experiences. And boy, I'll tell you, there are doors that open up that you would never get to if you didn't say yes to what's in front of you. And so that's, you know, with our connection, it was, yeah, they'd say yes. Yeah. Connect with Eric and. Absolutely. Love it. Okay. So we're going to dive into some of your story. And I bet connections have a lot to do with that, right? There's going to be some things that come up there and I can't wait to hear it. Um, so broad brush, you know, obviously your, your relationships, but uh, I know a few other things, uh, your businessman, your former pastor. So give us kind of the, we'll go back into your story, but tell us like right now in this moment, what are you kind of doing? Where does God have you? Well, that, that's a great question. And thanks, Eric. It's, you know, where, where I find myself now is this kind of this synergy between these two worlds. I, you know, I was a pastor, as you mentioned, for 25 years. I taught in a small Bible college up in Canada. And um, over these last, say, 15 years, what I've really done now is travel and uh, speak at churches, primarily to businessmen and women, talking about the life, this intersection of faith and business, you know, where they find themselves, you know, during the 40, 50, 60, whatever it is per week, hours per week. And how do they authentically live out their faith in those environments? I mean, not just not just okay, being an integrous person, but but how do they live authentically? How do they live real? Where Jesus in them speaks without them ever having to speak any words. Yeah, and and that kind of approach uh, was just was revolutionary to me personally, and and as I share that is revolutionary to a lot of people as they're really finding it challenging to navigate that world. And I just give them, you know, some insights, some encouragement, um, some things that worked for me, some things that didn't, and really encourage them on their journey to see what what God is doing in the midst of the world that he's put mm -hmm. them in. I love that. I've been reflecting a lot lately on the kingdom of God. And it's really interesting. Jesus never said the kingdom of God is like a really well-crafted apologetic argument, right? <laughs> right? Like, it's not bad. I get that. I get that we're supposed to have an answer. But the kingdom of God is like a whole bunch of other very subversive, subtle, 
unbeknownst things, right? That maybe you don't see working, but it's always there. And so I, that's what I think about when I hear you talk about that. Well, you know, it's amazing. You, sometimes you run into people and they go, I've been watching you for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they go, I'm watching you to see if your words line up with your actions. Are you just talk or are you living this authentically? And I tell you, one of the best gifts we can give people is to just live authentic and real lives. Now, I share that with people all the time. Just be the best version of you you can be and, and be able to tell your story of what God's done in your life. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I used to be a little bit more of a preacher, preaching at people. Now I just enjoy having conversations with yeah. people about stuff that matters in their life. First off, finding out about them. And then, of course, they'll reciprocally ask, you know, tell me a little bit about you. And this is my life. And this is what God's done. And this is the, you know, the story that I have. And it just opens up this whole new realm of conversation. But, you know, man, I've been thinking about that very thing. And it just it just engages at a whole different level. Yeah. Very conversational. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Okay. So let's go back into your story and we'll come back here. So we'll come back to where to where you are. So where did you grow up? Where are you from? Well, I'm originally from Canada. I grew up oh, yeah. in the province of Manitoba, um, which, listen, I would just add just a couple of days ago, my mom's uh, 80, what is she, 83. And, you know, as your parents get older, you want to, my dad's been gone for about uh, over 15 years. Um, and so I want to make sure I connect with my mom. A lot of my siblings had been there on Mother's Day and I hadn't been able to be there. So I got, I got to go see mom. So I flew out there to Manitoba and the city that I was born in connected with mom and and then that's where I grew up. We grew up in, in the city of Winnipeg. And then we um, moved to a farm, um, which I spent part of my childhood on a farm. Ultimately, uh, ended up in the province right next door in Saskatchewan, where I finished high school, Bible college, met my wife, played uh, junior hockey, club hockey there. Um, and uh, and that, that was kind of a very formative time in my life, those first, you know, those first 20 years growing up in that part of Canada. Yeah. Okay. So what's the spiritual climate like in, I guess, what, it, what does that qualify as like central Canada? Yeah, it'd be central Canada. It's right above North Dakota, Minnesota, you know, so it's very much rural. It's very much prairies. Um, it's very much the Midwest, you know, good work ethic, surviving cold winters, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of toughness that you develop. Uh, yeah, spiritually in those days, the, the community we lived in, a lot of people went to church, but man, that was like 50 years ago Yeah, when a lot of people went to church because Christianity was very cultural, right? Everybody kind of went to church, whether you really believed in God or not, it was culturally appropriate. Yeah. It was, and, it was a thing you do. Was that your experience as well? Yeah. I, well, yeah, we went to church, you know, we went to a little more, a little more conservative church where they valued Bible teaching. So we'd mm, go several okay. times a week. Oh yeah. And it wasn't, uh, you know, Christmas and Easter kind of, yeah, you, it was pretty regularly and mom would drag the kids. And, uh, and as I got older, of course you couldn't be drugged there to church anymore. So, <laughs> you know, I think it was 15 or something. I said, I'm not going anymore. Um, but in the early days, of course you went to see your friends and right. you know, endure, endure what the church service, not understanding half of what was going on. Usually right. with my doodle pad, just drawing, you know, doodling yeah. and stuff. So, no you doubt. know, I grew up around faith, but but I never really made a decision of faith till a little bit later. Well, what was that about wanting to just not go? Was that was that just because you were just tired of it, or what was that like? Uh, you know, because my dad didn't go, so I thought, well, oh, you know, okay. it's that's for women and children, and I'm neither. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I just I don't want to go, and I want to sleep in on Sunday and. You know, maybe there's a, you know, I was a hockey player. So maybe there was something I wanted to do. Sometimes it was wanted to see my girlfriend, you know, as a 15 year old kid, you want to go hang out with your friends or your girlfriend. So, yep, yep. yeah, you just kind of disengage with it and then engage in other activities, which are not conducive to growing spiritually. <laughs> sure. Right. Right. Yeah, which, a divergent right. path. Right. Okay. So you were drawn to some of that. That makes sense. Okay. What, so then when did you, when did faith become a part of your life again Man, later? That that's, 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 that's one of those life defining. So I was living away from home. I was 16 years old, um, pretty mature, pretty big, pretty talent, you know, reasonably talented. 
you know, as some people say, you know, for athletes, right, the older I get, the better I was, you know, there's <laughs> all those phrases about, about old athletes, you know, the stories get bigger, better, greater, the older you get never really was that good. But so I was living away from home playing junior hockey, 16 years old. <clears throat> my parents, my dad, I grew up in an alcoholic home. So a lot of complications with that. Mm. A lot of tension in the home, a lot of anger, frustration, a lot of shame, just a whole lot of issues that go along with that. My parents, ultimately, at that point, my mom left my dad um, with my older sister and my younger siblings. So I was living away from home playing club hockey. Um, and I And I had this moment where some pretty challenging situations came. I had a girlfriend at the time. She told me she was pregnant. Oh, man. Um, I was drinking too much. I wasn't going to school. I was failing in high school, you know, my uh, my junior year, 11th grade. And it was like everything in my world was crumbling around me simultaneously. My family had fallen apart. This kind of news. I was usually pretty good academically. It just like, Rick, what in the world is going on in my life? And I uh, had a kind of a near-death experience drinking and driving. Oh, wow. Which is a stupid thing to do. And it was it, living in the mountains. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, it, it, it just was one of those incredible moments. And I remember asking the question, there's got to be more. There's just, this is, this is not what I signed up for. And I, and, and I think everybody at their life at some point comes to that moment where they're going to ask that question. There's got to be more. All the things that that look like fun just came crumbling around down around me. And so that question was lingering. And so that was probably February of that year. I just turned 17. And I had to take a, a load of furniture out to my mom back to this province, you know, a couple of it was probably a day's drive. And I got out there and, and reconnected with my mom and my siblings. And, and I went to a, a, a devotional with a bunch of young people my age at this Christian school. And I saw on their faces something that I didn't see with any of my friends. They had a piece about them. They had a purpose. They had, a, they had something about them that was incredibly enticing. Hmm. I didn't know what it was. And so I started to ask. And one of them shared with me, Jesus. You know that Jesus? Yeah, 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 yeah. But tell me more. And they told me about forgiveness. You turn your life to Jesus, he promises forgiveness and will walk with you in your days ahead. And I go, for, I looked at my life and I looked at that life and I go, sign me up. Like literally that day I said yes to Jesus. So it was April 14th, 1981. And, and it just, it was a life-changing moment for me. I wrote, you know, I I wrote it down. I wrote it. My, actually, my mom wrote it in a Bible and gave it to me mm. as a gift. Wow. And it was, I go, okay, now what do I do? And start reading the Bible. Of course, as a teenager, that wasn't the easiest thing. Had to get a translation I could understand. Sure. It's always important. Get a translation you can actually read. Nothing against King James Version. <laughs> you know, it sounds holy. It sounds good in church, but it's hard to understand. Well, and I started I started to read the Bible and then made a decision for my senior year of high school, my grade 12 year, to go back to that Christian school and uh, and finish my high school there and play club hockey in that community, uh, which turned out to be a fantastic decision on so many levels. And so I began that journey of just loving studying uh, the Bible. I got back to being a good student. Ultimately, met my wife, my my grade my grade twelve year, my senior year of high school. Um, stayed for a couple of more years in that community. Did a few years of Bible college and some university classes. Uh, we won a national championship in hockey. Got married to my wife. Earned an NCAA Division One ice hockey scholarship. Wow! And uh, it just it just totally changed the direction of my life. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like making that decision and really looking for more is what kind of propelled you into some success and some kind of like a place of more maybe more security you could operate out of. Well, you know, you know, the Bible talks about ask and seek and knock. 
And this has been a big thing for me. A lot of people mm. sit back and wait for God to do something for them. Yep. You know, I've prayed, I'm waiting. Now, listen, there are passages in scripture that says, wait on the Lord. And, uh, but, you know, Jesus' words are ask and seek and knock. It's like you go after this thing. Right. If I'm serious about faith, I go after it. You know, I'm going to ask the questions. I'm going to dig in. You know, we were laughing about, uh, you know, apologetics. I, I want to know some of the answers to the tough questions. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm nobody would accuse me of being an intellectual, but <laughs> I love to ask tough questions and I love to dig in on things. And so that's just kind of been a part of my journey for the last, literally the last, uh, you know, 40 plus years, 45 years. Yeah. Just digging in on stuff. Yeah. And asking those tough questions. I love that. I think there absolutely is a place for those kind of intellectual learnings, right. And conversations and um, those kinds of things. But I also see that relationship and it was the relationships that you had, right. Yes. Is actually the thing that tends to allow people to see the good news of, of Jesus. So you're, 100%. so you're getting in, you're going this stage of life and you're starting to, I would you're learning the way of Jesus, right? You're figuring all this stuff yes. out. So you're studying, you're asking questions. What were some significant moments for you as you were kind of growing in Christ there? Well, another big moment came after my first year playing college hockey. Um, things, there was a bit of a disagreement with the coach over um, being a person of faith and playing hockey. And, and I kind of knew that going in. Um and he kind of laid it down for me. You're going to have to, you know, you're too involved in the church stuff that you're doing. Too involved in campus, not focused enough on hockey. You know, we all joke about uh, student athletes. It's mostly athlete student. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, when you're in university of any kind of sport, you know, you have to stay eligible, but that's the bare minimum. Right. And, and, I, and I, you know, was a top student. I loved studying and I guess probably I didn't focus as much on the on the hockey side of things as the coach had wanted. And so he just kind of laid the law down going, um, scholarships pulled. If you want to earn it back, you're going to have to pay your own way for the next year. Wow. Which was not possible. Mm -hmm. uh, you can transfer and go somewhere else, but you lose a year of eligibility. And it just like broke me because, you know, my goal as a kid was to play hockey and have it pay for my education. And now that, you know, that's maybe a security blanket um, was pulled out from underneath me. And I really, and it was like, God, what am I going to do? And it was a defining moment for me to go, am I going to trust you, God, in a challenging moment? And the answer was, yes, I'm going to trust you. You know, it turned out the church we were a part of was looking for a campus pastor to work with youth and college students. I was already doing that. I had almost finished my Bible college degree simultaneously while working on my degree in communications at the university. They said, you can still go to school. We'll pay you a stipend. And, and literally the stipend was worth twice as much as the scholarship <laughs> money was. Wow. And I said, yes. And this opened a whole, and I never really thought that I was going to be a pastor, right? Like I love serving in the church, but I never thought, you know, but people go, man, you, you, you have a passion for Jesus. You have, you can speak, you can put together a good Bible study. You can share Jesus with people. You seem to have credibility, you know, you're living authentically. So it just, all of a sudden I, and I would say I kind of fell into ministry or ministry found me mm -hmm. in a whole new way. And that began a journey for me for the next four years to next five years to be a campus pastor, finish an undergrad, get a grad degree, a couple of university, a couple of graduate degrees, um, started having kids, you know, Debbie and I started having our kids. It was, we look back on it now, it going, it was the most amazing time mm -hmm. for us of just living authentically in community with people sharing Jesus. It was an incredible time. Yeah, I love that. And I love how it came out of you having to decide that you were going to trust God in, in the middle of a 
what a situation that would break many of us, right? That would make us oh, question him. Yeah, it you know, it was it's it's easy to trust God when everything's going good. <laughs> right. You know, in reality, you know, yep, you yep. have a financial challenge, have a health, have a health scare, have a relational crisis, have a uh, occupational issue, you know, employment. Um, now your faith gets tested. And, and scripture is pretty clear that we're going to face trials and tests, right? Right. And the benefit comes in persevering through it because we get to grow. And I tell you, I haven't learned much in my successes in life, but I sure have learned a lot <laughs> in those challenging moments. Right. Every time, right? Yeah. And it's and it's processing it and not just, you know, people talk about blind faith. Okay, okay. I'm 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 all for cho- I choose the path of faith, but now God, you're gonna have to help me figure this out. Right. I'm gonna trust you, but but I'm not very bright and I'm and I'm not that good at seeing so please just show me the path i'll walk in it but just you don't have to show the whole thing to me but just show me the next step and i'll take it because i trust you you know i trust you and uh just just give me the next step right okay so friends i want to just highlight that because it's a great statement and it's a great way to be i think it's part of the uh essential skills i'll say for living life with god right is asking God to illuminate just the next step and trusting him that that that's going to lead somewhere, but you didn't learn it, uh, you know, without trying it, right? Like you had to, you had to do it and you had to try it once and then go, okay, God was really faithful. This is how it goes. And this is why we share these stories because, you know, and, and that's such a good part. God, God has a track record, right? Yeah. That's what the Bible is. And of course, then all of the saints since then, which you can read about. And then the ones that are alive, they share their story. And it's like, man, if God can do it for them, you know, he can do it for me. I was reading this morning in, uh, in my morning Bible reading, which is one of the, you know, my morning rituals, right? Get up early, plan the day, enjoy my healthy coffee, you know, add some good stuff to it, <laughs> do my Bible reading. And I was reading about David and Saul, you know, and how, David was faithful, yet Saul wanted to kill him, and he had to. He was running from Saul, and you know, God, are you still there when things don't seem like they're working out? And of course, they were for David, right? And I was reading about the um, Amalekites who came while they, David and his men were out in battle. They the enemy came and stole their their wives and children and property, and and they wanted to kill him. David strengthened himself in the Lord. He got his composure. He got, and then they went restored everything. Right. I think, wow, God can do that for him. And he's done that for people throughout the years. And now as I share my story, let me tell you what God's done for him. He's got a track record in my life. Mm -hmm. So when the current challenge comes, okay, God, God's, God's got a track record. Okay. I haven't been this path before. Got to walk this out. Got to learn something. I heard a great phrase and you'll appreciate this. People ask the question, why? Why is this happening? You know, and it's, it's sometimes it's better to ask the question, not why is this happening? It's why is this happening to me? Maybe a better question to ask. And I've started to do this. Why is this happening for me? Mm. What, what am I supposed to learn that I don't know? And boy, I tell you, that just changed the way I'm thinking. God, maybe there's something I need to learn. Maybe there's an opportunity here that I missed. Maybe there's there's a there's a a, a flaw, an area you want to kind of round off a little bit. And so this challenge has come to provide an opportunity for that that edge to get pointy edge to get rounded off, and for, for me to learn something. So not why is this happening to me? Why is this happening for me? Yes. Now, man, my eyes open up, my mind is engaged, my spirit, you know, is is listening. And uh boy, that that and that was recent, like I'm talking in the last six months. Yeah. That well, I've really began to engage with that question. It's all perspective, right? That is I, I talk a lot about mindset with my podcasters because if you don't have the right mindset, you will quit when it's hard, right? So good. You will decide so that it's not for you, and you might miss what it is God wants to do in that 
in, through your podcast for you and for other people like in, in the world. Think a lot. I think of it as um, ripples, right? You toss a, a, yep. a small pebble in a pond, but that becomes a, a ripple you can see out. Even if your show doesn't have very many, I'm preaching now, but doesn't have very many downloads. You you never know what ripples it's going to be creating. Um, but 100%. but that is really a, a huge key, I think, to helping us overcome adversity and asking that question. It's also John of the Cross, by the way, right? If you ever read The Dark Night of the Soul. Yes. Uh, he says, but essentially, uh, that the Lord uses the dark night to take identities away from us. He talks about the seven deadly sins, but that's fine. It's, it's taking away those kinds of identities that we've adopted, and he gives us new ones, right? He gives us new ones that we then can live into. And it's similar to your story where, okay, hockey was maybe not it, but you lived into becoming a pastor, and that changed the course of your life. Yes. And that, and it just, it set a whole, a whole trajectory forward, but, but then a moment of, you know, after about, uh, it was about 15 years into my, into my, um, you know, ministry career, you know, as I call it, you know, we, Debbie and I had a, uh, had a, my wife, Debbie had a, had a, a real challenging time in our marriage. You know, when, when you're living life and you're pouring out sometimes, and and I and I and Debbie and I do this with a lot of people. We're always asking, "How's your marriage? How's your marriage?" Um, we ask our business friends. We ask our ministry friends, "How's your marriage?" Because you because that's one of the areas you can take for granted. And we were a living example of that, and and had a crisis in our marriage, which really caused when you have a crisis, you're going to start to think deeply about what's going on uh, in your life, uh, because if you, for me. If that wasn't there, you know, at that point we had three young sons. You know, they were, I guess they were teenagers at that point. Mm. And it was, and Debbie had come from a broken family. Of course, I talked about my, you know, my parents and my dad's alcoholism. My parents had split up. So we came from a lot of brokenness when it came to marriage. And we go, that's not what we want. And yet here we were facing it. And so we had to ask another question. What are we going to do? You know, are we going to quit? which is the easy way. Are we going to dig in and find out what's going on? And fortunately we chose the latter. We're going to dig in and find out what's going on. And for ministry couples, it's a hard thing to admit that you need some help because you're the one giving the help, right? You're the person who helps others. And so we went and we got some help in our marriage. And I tell you, it was a life transformational moment more for me than even for Debbie. And, and some things shifted in us spiritually, uh, opened up some new possibilities with the work of the Holy Spirit, which we hadn't quite delved into. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just, it, it changed things in our life and, and opened up another world that maybe there was more than we had been experiencing mm. up until that point. Yeah. Okay. Like what? You know, what, that holy what discontent, for you? like a holy discontent. Mm. And so we went to some conferences, and this was the thing. First off, we got help for our marriage, which we've been married 40 years this year. Wow. And and one of the things from that moment forward we committed to is every year we'll go for a marriage tune-up to see what's going on. Pop the hood, check what's going on. We go to marriage conference, and we have, without question from that point, gone to either a marriage coach, a marriage counselor, or a marriage conference to get marching orders for the next year. Yeah. And we encourage our friends, we invite our friends, and that's just been a, been a big part of our life, um, focusing on marriage and helping marriage, helping us, because you can't, you can't share what you haven't lived right, with any authenticity, right? <laughs> so yes. we, we do that, but it also opened up the possibility of marketplace ministry. So I'll explain a bit of that. My wife had started a business called Norwex, and it's a, you know, it's, she was one of the co- three co-founders of this business called Norwex. Right in that season of challenge for us. And so it, it opened up some possibilities as she began to live authentically her faith in a business setting where she was sharing a business opportunity with primarily women, young women, young moms, uh, that began to grow and have some level of success. 
And I began to see God opening up doors of opportunity in that to share Jesus in a real way. Uh, because you, you begin to answer questions for people about their family and finances and, and helping them in that area. Um, environmentally friendly cleaning products, you know, healthy homes, and the financial rewards that, that go along with uh, an opportunity to sell things they believe in to, uh, to share with their friends. Mm -hmm. and, and I go, man, that's pretty amazing. I thought everything had to happen in the church, but it seems like God's at work like everywhere. And then I had somebody challenge me with this question. Why don't you go ahead and read the life of Jesus in the Gospels? Find out where Jesus spent the majority of his time. He didn't spend it in the synagogue, and he didn't spend it in the temple, because that's where he ran into religious thinking and had all kinds of conflict. But it says he was in the marketplace. He was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He was welcomed in the marketplace, because there they received him. It says they received him gladly. And I go, man, like, I, I, I really like that area. I like, I like the world of politics and I like the mm. world of business and I like the world of education and I, and I like the world of arts and media and sports. And I, I love being in that arena, but I didn't always know how to connect faith in those arenas. And so I began to ask questions, how can I serve them and help them in their areas of biggest needs? So lo and behold, what do you have to do? You just go and ask, how can I serve you? How can I help? Oh, man. And they go, can you pray about this? Can you give me some wise counsel in this? And I go, well, here's a, here's a couple of things I've learned. They go, thank you. You opened up an, something I hadn't thought about, and now I've, I've thought about it, and I found a solution, and it's working. Um, we began to, uh, and I was still pastoring at this time, but our church began to, to focus on our community. I didn't just pastor a church now. I felt like I was going to pastor a community and, and welcome and interact with other churches. How can we help our community? How can we pray for our political leaders? How can we, oh, here's, here's a fun thing. I, I became the chaplain for the local club hockey team. So I had played it for four years and now I could come as a chaplain and I just served them. I go, how can we help? How can I help? So, you know, can you help with this? Yeah, I'd love to help with that. Can we need this piece of equipment and we don't have room in our budget. Then I'll talk to some people in our church. We raised some money. We bought them a piece of equipment. You go, no one has ever done that for us. Wow. We began to do stuff in our community. We had this fun thing. We had a prayer fair. We printed certificates for free prayer. I mean, it sounds kind of corny. And we put it in every mailbox in every home in our community, which was about 8,000 people. Yeah. We had teams of people that would go out and pray. Here's the other thing we did. We went and took garbage bags and picked up garbage yes. in our community. So we did something positive for the community, and we walked and prayed and delivered these mail things. So about six, about a month, six weeks later, we had the prayer fair. We had teams set up to pray for people. Hundreds of people came to the community center for free prayer. Wow. With their certificates in hand. Wow. Redeemed for one free prayer session. The corniest thing I've ever come up with. <laughs> and but you're it like, was so much fun. You would give it away for free anyway, obviously, but the, there, it was a device to get it into their minds, right? And, it, and, and we worked with like a dozen churches in our community, which, you know, you, you understand sometimes churches don't work well together. Yeah, I do. And we worked with everybody. I, you know, we just, are you willing to pray in the name of Jesus? That was kind of our criteria. We gave a few oh, other really general guidelines. You pray blessing. Uh, you don't get into being a counselor. You just pray over people. If they have illness, you know, pray in the name of Jesus. If they have relational issues, you know, don't try to be a counselor. Just keep it simple. You know, it's the kiss principle, right? Keep on simple, sweetie, not <laughs> stupid, but simple, sweetie. I'd look back on those moments going, man, that was a fun time to be in ministry. Because we did stuff that impacted our community. And I was back in our community not long ago. We've been gone for like 10 years now. And I still see the positive residual effect of that, of churches working together and good things happening in our community. Uh, it was so much fun. Wow. To just change the way we looked at living an authentic Christian faith. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. And so it's interesting that you had this shift and then you start operating with more people, right? With more. Yes. And and I, I loved what you said. You said, I thought everything had to happen in the church, but it seems like God's at work everywhere, right? Like, yes. If, if we're just looking for him, if we're just asking, how can we participate? That's a whole different deal, isn't it? Oh, it's so true. You know, in, in the book of Ephesians, it talks about the, the role of the fivefold ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I thought I had to do all the ministry. Right. I figured out my job was to equip people to do the work of the ministry. Because listen, those are the open doors. I'm not going to go be a teacher at the elementary school or the high school or, you know, the, the, I'm not going to go and be a teacher, but I can support the teachers. I'm not going to become a politician, but I'm going to support the politicians and pray right. for them. Right. Even the ones I don't agree with. Right. Which can occasionally happen. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, I'm going, I'm going to, um, you know, people who are uh, involved in, in athletics, you know, coaching and support and that kind of stuff. I'm not going to step in and do what they do, but I'm going to pray, you know, for those involved in it. How can I come alongside? I want to help. You know, we got, here's the big thing in life. Know your lane, you know, stay in your lane, but then always ask, how can I serve others? How can I help? Yeah. What can I do to help? And man, I tell you, if you ask that one question of people, they will tell you what they need. Don't assume that you know what people need. Ask them what they need. Yeah. I love and then that. help where you can. I learned that when I went to a conference in 2018, put on by, Cliff Ravenscraft, who is one of my, uh, I would say mentors, right? Uh, yes. So he is, did, a, did a conference called Free the Dream. This is all about mindset, you know, and figuring yeah. out how to get. It's really good. Um, and every speaker there, I'm, I think I think Cliff had asked them to do this, but every speaker there, they are all like this really high caliber person and uh, or people. And they would all ask me whenever I interact with them, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Right. And I'm going, wow, that's, you know, so mostly I invited them onto my podcast and that was, that was, you know, great for me, but. Sure. Uh, and get, gets the word out. Right. That's right. But it helped me develop um, that same. It showed me how powerful that can be. Right. So literally just today I asked somebody, what, what can I do for you? What's that? What do you need? And sometimes people take you up on it. Sometimes people won't, but just asking will help you will help will open doors that you won't otherwise have had access to. So that's, well, a, that's you, a good you know, the, the, the more, more successful people I've been around, you know, people, wow, well, you, you know, you were lucky, you were born into it. You know, you, I go, listen, you want to be successful, serve more people. Yes. Yes. I'd say that to people in business, find out how you can serve your customers better than anybody else. They will beat down a path to your door. Right. If you serve people well, this is not rocket science. It's not Zig Ziglar, the famous quote, right? You can get anything yes. you want in life if you help enough people get what, what they, they want. want. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Uh, okay. I could talk about it all day, but I want to go back to your story because that's where, okay, where I okay. want to focus. But this is definitely a place uh, I, I love to talk about. So friends, maybe you're challenged. Maybe you're like, oh, okay, I need to start asking that question. And who can I serve? Because you can, regardless of what you think, whatever else is going on in your life. You may feel like you're not there or not. You don't have a lot to offer, but you do, even if you just have time, right? Even if you just have a little bit of energy, those things can be valuable. Just keep an eye out, ask God, and he'll direct you. Okay, Uh, Mike, so go back to your story. want to hear some more about that. So your marriage shifted, and you were talking about some, you had some things that you had to figure out. And I don't know, you know, if that was like, obviously, you know, marriage can be hard and you got, there's a lot of things there. Um, was that for you a dark night of the soul or was there, did you have like another time when you felt like God was far away or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that was, that was a, that was a real, um, you know, I wasn't living with authenticity. Of course I was living hypocritical, right? Living one life publicly and one life oh, sure. privately. Sure. And that, you know, that kind of dissonance, uh, will just, it'll kill you spiritually. Right. Mm, right. And, and it, it had literally, I felt like I was probably at the low, one of the lowest points it's not that I gave up on God, but I felt like God could never use me again. Mm. And that was, that was a real, a real challenging situation. And I know some people, you know, when, 
the, when you're living the consequences of your own bad decisions, which was a total reality for me, you go, God, I'm, I'm done. But I found with God, God's the God of second chances. When we humble ourselves, then he will lift us up. But if we lift ourselves up, then he will humble us. Right. And, and that, was, that was a moment of incredible insight for me. When we humble ourselves, God is gracious to forgive. But it has to be genuine. You know, it, 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 has, it has to be real. It can't be, oh, God, I'm sorry, let's move on. No, 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 no. You know, you, you got to dig in. And, th and this was a part of, you know, some of the issues in growing up in an alcoholic home. You know, there's kind of things you don't talk about things. Mm -hmm. um, you don't feel. And you deal with an incredible amount of shame. And, and there were some things, and you keep it very hidden. Right. But whatever is hidden and not brought to the light is never going to find a place of healing. And so in going through and being honest and open about some things that have gone on, and then being willing to, as, as I journeyed in healing in those areas, I began to share with other people, that healing began to really accelerate. Because it's amazing what you do when you bring things to light. Other people go, wow, that's brave. Right. You know, you're brave to do that. I go, well, no, I'm, I'm not overly brave. I just know that I need to share things um, to get them into the light because they just, they don't work well in darkness. I love what you said there. Like when you are willing to share vulnerably and yeah. there's appropriate vulnerability, vulnerability. There is appropriate vulnerability, right? So yes, there's, a, there's certainly a place and a time for these things. Uh, but when you do, uh, other people are inspired sometimes to also follow suit. Well, you know, uh, once someone gives permission in a conversation to go, okay, I'm, I'm, and and you can tell right away they're going to go, okay, let, we're we're gonna we're gonna drop a level here. We're not going to stay on the surface, which is most conversations we have. Right. But where are the real conversations that impact our life? They're the ones that go, start to go deep and get to the stuff that really matters. Absolutely. And 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 that to me was a huge moment of game changing that I decided that there's a risk in being vulnerable, but I'm willing to take the risk because on the other side of that is really everything that I want in life mm -hmm. at that deep level. When someone knows me deeply and still loves me, like, for example, with my wife, my wife knows more about me than anybody on the planet and still loves me. Mm -hmm. She knows the good and the bad. Right. When you have friends who know you better than anybody else, that means something. And of course, God, God already knows us better than we know ourselves, but we're not always willing to acknowledge that with God. Right. David, you know, in the Psalms, perfect example of it, right? He just pours out his heart to God. And, and it's amazing. We all grow. We all gain inspiration from it. Because, man, we go, that's, that's where I want to live. Yep. I, I want to live in that space where I can just be totally transparent with God. Now, on the human interaction side, I do say to people, be authentic and real with everybody, but don't be open with everybody. Right. Because right. when not everybody can handle, can carry whatever you may want to share with them. Yeah. They may not have the emotional capacity. It may trigger something in them, an area that's unresolved in their own walk of faith and their own emotional makeup. Um, you know, if I share my own pain and growing up as a, as a young man with incredible shame, you know, wanting to be validated by my father and yet not because there was shame that went along with that. It's like, wow. Right. Um, and, I, and I can't share that with everybody because for some people that'll trigger something for them and it'll be very painful and they're not willing to go there right now. So I'm always very cognizant mm -hmm. of that fact when I share to be thoughtful and careful about who I'm sharing it with. Yeah. And you sometimes need permission, right? To go uh, to those places. And so you got to be really careful. I love that actually, because one of, one of my pursuits has been maturity, right? Spiritual maturity. Cause yes. I don't know, like I just, I didn't, I didn't feel like anybody understood it. You know, when I was a kid, the answer to everything was read the Bible and pray. I was like, yeah, but you won't tell me how to do either of those things really. 
And is that really everything? And so like growing is, is a big, long process, right? And so you have to, you have yes. to have um, a little more, there's a little more to it than that, but vulnerability, I found a great book um, and she listed out these five ways, things that children need and the ways that adults, healthy, mature adults actually handle them. Yes. And vulnerability was one of them. And her thought, her, you know, children are naturally vulnerable, but as you grow up, you learn to be appropriately vulnerable, right? And I think there's a difference there that sometimes gets misconstrued in the church as, well, we're going to get real, right? We're going to get, we're going to be real with each other as that is appropriate, right? As that is, those are the relationships that we have. Okay. But I'm not showing up to the men's breakfast, eating a breakfast burrito, sharing everything about what's going on in my life necessarily. Unless we already yeah. have those relationships. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you, you don't back up and dump the whole dump truck, right? You know? <laughs> exactly. You know, that that is that is, you know, if if we love other people, which we should, right? <laughs> we're going to think about them, not just about ourselves. Yes. You know, the reality scripture talks about, you know, look not only to your own interests, but the interests of others. I go, well, why is that? Obviously, the question is. The answer to that is because we think mostly about ourselves all of the time. Right. It's a reminder that we should think about other people. Yeah. And if we're going to speak, we should think about what does my audience need to hear? Right. And even asking that question, you know, when I go and speak, um, as an example, I spoke at a, a university convocation uh, last year. And so I asked them, I could talk on a lot of things. What do you think the students? need to hear right so he gave me some pointers and then i reached out to three graduates one um one undergrad one a master's level and one doctoral level graduate and i said tell me tell me your story tell me your journey and so i took that and interwove it into my commencement speech mm -hmm. and go about their story because now you have relatability and it, it was it was you know because you're thinking about the audience yeah and, and listen, if you think about that, if I'm talking to my wife, what does she need to hear? Talking to my kids, what do they need to hear? Now my kids are grown. Talked to my son this morning. He's a doctor. He's a physician, well-educated. What did we need to talk about? We chatted about a couple of things. And a lot, of, he, a lot of times he doesn't need my advice. He just needs a listening ear to process, right? Yeah. So I know that. And then my grandkids, what do they need? I took my grandson to, to uh, grade two this morning. You know, got to got to drive and chat with grandpa and you know encouraged him and spoke life into him as he's going into the world of grade two. <laughs> and so I know I, I I can be that agent of God to speak into the lives of people because I'm thinking about them. And boy, I tell you that you you want to be depressed, think mm -hmm. about yourself all the time. <laughs> right. You you want to find purpose. Find out what God has put in you to serve other people with. And that to me is what I share a lot of times with people is it's going to be about other people. You're going to find your greatest sense of purpose and fulfillment when you figure out how to serve other people. Yes. In greater and greater ways. That is what I loved about John of the Cross and this idea of identities, right? So we, so the dark night, takes away the desert takes away some identities and the Lord gives us new identities. And I call that finding ourselves in Christ, right? Yes. Because it is about us. It is about you finding who you are, those unique things that you can do for people that no one else can do that God made you to do in partnership with him. Right. And then there's yes. a trust for him to bring you the right yeah, the divine partnership. That's yeah. right. So what did you find were the, the things that God had called you to do that were maybe different identities than you had had before? Well, man, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. You know, I always had this, this idea growing up. My dad was a business person. We had, you know, he, he was a mechanic, so he bought a service station and, and uh, you know, when he was a farmer, he was a pretty good farmer. He always wanted to do that. And a couple of things I decided I never wanted to do was be a farmer or <laughs> be a mechanic. Yeah. Um. But, but I knew, you know, I knew I love this world of business. Now, mostly it was pretty superficial. That's where the money is, right? Sure. You know, 
that's kind of what, initially what I was thinking. And so when I, when I came came into ministry, it was like you have to leave that world behind, you know, when you're committed to the the you know put your hand to the plow when you're going to move ahead with God. Um, you leave all those secular. I had this secular sacred uh, view of the world, right? I'm going to step into this the sacred world and leave the secular world behind. Right. But I came to find out that um, that's a that's a Greek way of thinking about the world. And that's not, I don't think is God's way of thinking about the world because he looks at things very holistically, right? Yes. You know, that the world is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And, and he wants the world that he has put us in us to operate in it, to bring heaven to earth, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes. And I began to think about, so what can I do to help bring heaven to earth in the area that God has called me to. And wow, that just opened up all kinds of doors. So it kind of brought me back into this world that I had initially loved, but God had to get some things out of me. It's all about me. It's all about money. It's all about what's, you know, what you want. Mm -hmm. And now he brings me back into this world impacted to go. It's all about what he wants. And how can I help people in that world navigate it as I've learned how to navigate it. And now, you know, being a, a business owner and being involved in several businesses and, and how, how can I be a good business owner? Um, how do I partner with the staff? Um, how do I partner with, you know, we brought in another partner. Um, how do we do that? How do we navigate that world? How can we be philanthropic in what we mm-hmm. do to give back to the community, to give back to the staff? It's, it's some, you know, part of that, it's all about me, had to be removed and pride had to be replaced with humility. Right. And I, and I you know, I laugh about this. If, if God could use Balaam's donkey, you know, to speak to him about, about what he needed to do to not curse the children of Israel, but, you know, to, to speak blessing on them. Uh, he can use me. And I don't mean that in some self-deprecating way. Like I'm like, you know, no better than a donkey. Right. It's perspective. Yep. God can use a donkey. He can use me. So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. <laughs> With sober judgment, right? Right. It kind of goes that's both that, ways, doesn't it? That's that divine partnership. He's put gifts in me. He's put abilities in me. But it's all under under the guise of bringing it before him. I want to do my best for him. Right. Because someday I want to stand before him and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes. I think you even see Jesus do this, right? He says, I don't, I didn't do anything that, except for what I see my father doing. Yeah. Right. That's the kind of paying attention. And yet I think Jesus had a self. Jesus had a, uh, a will. He had a desire and he would, and he would follow those things when he needed to. And that's just, that's kind of the way that it actually works. I think we, I grew up where it was really spiritualized. And so I was you yes. never quite knew. And so you had to find, seek God's will. And it was, you know. Yeah, it was ethereal. It was out there somewhere, but it was like a exactly. mist. You couldn't really grab a hold of it. Confusing. Oh, Nobody could ever really tell you what it was. And then it was always like, okay, whatever. But I don't think it works like that at all. I think it works like God made you, God directs you, and then you follow it and you do, you do and your you best. And you step into it. And, and I think about my life now, you know, almost 60 and I think about the convergence that's happened over time of how God has gifted me, my unique journey, my unique story, my unique gift mix, my, and it's all, it converges together. Everybody wants to figure it out when you're 15 years old or 20 or 30. <laughs> right. I go, you really don't get to figure out a lot of things till you've, you journeyed this a little while. Yeah. Because here's the thing about it. And this, this is something that's really important. What you believe about God and what you believe about God's purpose in your life has to be tested. Mm-hmm. And life will test it. Ooh. And you will find out real quickly if it can pass the test. And, and the older I get, the fewer certainties I have, but they have been tested and proven true. God is for me, not against me. God has a plan and a purpose for my life. He created good works in advance that I should walk in them. God, God opposes the proud. God gives grace to the humble. And there are things that have been tested in my life that, that are, I'm 100% certain of. Mm. 
Um, and a lot of the things I thought they kind of had floated away because they really didn't yes. pass the test. Yes. And so the faith that I have is more solid now than ever before. This is why, for instance, I'm in favor of older pastors, right? Like, like we need, we need older, wiser men to be our pastors. And, you know, there's, there's a place you have to raise up young, young people to do that, but also, and they've got, you got to make mistakes. I get all that, but also, man, I want that. I want that older guy who's been there, who's done this stuff and can relate and has tested, tasted and seen, yeah. right? And, and I see young pastors who do well, they have a spiritual mentor. Yes. And I, and I wish, and I was a bit arrogant when I was younger as a pastor, I didn't ask for advice and boy, I could have avoided a lot of minefields yeah. pitfalls. Was that because you felt like you had to know it all? Or just yes. you thought you did. Yeah, yeah, I I really did, and and I had a bit of arrogance that I did know it all. Okay, you know that's the invincibility of youth, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was physically strong. I was mentally capable. Top graduate in the university. You know, top. I spoke at my university commencement. You know, to thousands. It was the biggest audience I'd ever spoke to. There was probably five thousand people there. Wow, that's amazing. You know, and man, I thought I was something. Yep. Um. Well, no, don't think. Of yourself too highly. There's always and the other side, right? There's always there's, there's always, always the other side. And uh as as I've gotten older now, I ask I ask for input. And I and I I have an older um guy who's really like a spiritual dad to me. He's in his late 70s. He and I get together all the time. And I just mm. go, and he knows me well. And last time I was with him, he said, Mike, what's going on? And I go, Well, I'm this is a challenging situation. And so tell me more. So I kind of unpacked it for him and he goes, I'll pray for you. You, you, you know, give me some ideas, you know, I'll help you sort through this kind of came alongside and I go, man, wish I would have known you 40 years ago, right. but I'm glad I know him now. Cause I've known him, you know, for the last 15 years yep. and it's just been such an invaluable source of wisdom. So as he's that into my life now, you know, we all have mentors. Yes. We all have peers, but we all should have people we're mentoring as well. Yeah. Who are you speaking into their lives? And uh, man, I'm I, Deb, my wife, Debbie, and I are very, very intentional about doing that. Mm. We speak into the lives of people who give us permission. Yeah. Yeah. Speak into their lives with wisdom from what we've experienced. I love that. Okay. So I could talk to you about this for a long time because it's really my hobby horse. It's the things that I, that I love to do, but I want to hear a little bit more um, because I know you're doing some other cool things like life rekindled. Yes. Uh, So tell, tell us about that and and then we'll wrap up and tell everybody where they can find you. That'd be great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, You know, these last couple of years, I was really trying to narrow it down. I'm I'm one of those people that has interests in a lot of areas, which is both a fun thing and a, and a bad thing. Right. Because it keeps you from getting focused. Because I just, I'm the shiny object syndrome. You know, oh, I want to learn about that. I want to read about that. And you just, you don't get traction in the areas you need to grow in. So I, I got a coach and we kind of narrowed it down to what are the three things that really, that I spend the most time thinking, studying, reading, writing about. And it was um, mission and purpose. So making sure I understood my mission and purpose and helping other people discover theirs. Um, and that that just drives me with passion. Number two, marriage and family. And then that's a big part of what I do. And the third area was marketplace, leadership. Um, you know, taking your faith and making it real in the world that we live in. And so it narrowed it down to three areas. And that's really what became Life Rekindled. And so, uh, um, so I've launched Life Rekindled. I've written two books of the three topic areas I mentioned um, on mission, and I and I got that one. It can be found on Amazon, just under Mike Bolton uh, books. And then the second one on marriage, um, you know, it's it's out there. The leadership one uh, is in process, and so that one hopefully will be coming out in the next six months. And it'll really revolve around leadership's lessons that every leader must take and pass. Nine leadership's lessons that I've kind of looked at over the course of my life and, and studying other leaders as well. What are leadership lessons that everybody has to, has to take and pass? 
because I found about life, if you realize that every every opportunity is a test you need to pass, you'll probably have a better success rate passing it. Mm, yeah, it's like it's like the pop quiz. If you didn't know it was coming, uh, you might get to retake the test. Right, because you didn't study and prepare. If I'm studying and preparing, when it comes test time, I can usually pass them. I hated retaking tests. I want to pass <laughs> it the first time. Even just the mindset of, so, no, of knowing that you have to, that you need to succeed, right? And that you've got to to approach it with a, how do we get through instead of- Yeah, how, how, how do, do I get, get, through? get yeah. through these moments of, of challenge? You know, Listen, there's nobody's exempt from it. Right. Nobody's exempt from challenges in their marriage. Nobody's exempt from challenges in their walk of faith. Nobody's exempt, even health challenges. You know, on a quick little side note, one of the areas I talk to uh, guys about, particularly men and women, but more more men, is about looking after your physical health. And three years ago, um, three years ago, I had a heart attack. Oh man! And I had a quad, and I had to have quad bypass surgery. No small task. You know, yeah. it was. Where did this come from? Now, you know, bad decisions compound over time, and all of a sudden, and I had you know some predispositions towards, you know, heart issues. My dad had died of a heart attack at a young age, as had my grandfather and his father before him. And my mom had bypass surgery. Um, I didn't realize how bad it was. And, and I had the issue um, and I made some huge changes. Yeah. And so in March, just this past March, just a few months ago, um, part of my health journey was to get healthier. Lost about 40 pounds and started running and training a whole lot more than I had been and ran the LA Marathon. Wow. In March of uh, 2023. And I'm getting ready to, and I ran a, a another race just a little while ago, and I'm getting ready to run a half marathon in Missoula, Montana in uh, end of June. And I go, listen, uh, when, when life, life reminds you that this is what's going on, um, there's no denying it. I'm in the hospital and you, you make some changes. And, uh, you know, it was a test, fortunately, that to this point that I've passed. And my doc seems to agree that things are looking good. So, um, but that's just another aspect, you know, of, yeah. of your whole life. You know, spirit, how am I doing spiritually? How am I doing physically? You know, this body is the vehicle through which we fulfill God's purpose in our life. Absolutely. And take it for granted, man. It's just, or early on you could. Right. But as you get older, you, we all recognize, man, it either use it or lose it. You got to take care of it. Absolutely. Man, and that's something Christian faith, we don't talk near enough about. That's what I was going to say. We're not Gnostics, right? So like, I feel like there's this, and friends, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's this idea where we pretend or we think that the spiritual is what matters, right? Yes. And the physical doesn't matter, but actually... It all matters because as you were saying, body, earlier, soul, and spirit. That's right. God is package together. holistic and Jesus has a body forever, right? Because he became yep. human. And so it does, it is dignified even in the person of God. So, well, you know, even Paul says, you know, bodily exercises of some value. Right. Right. You know, but spirituality and, you know, you know, in all areas. So it's not one or the other. It's, Absolutely. it's both. And, and man, I listen to a lot of podcasts about looking after the temple of the Holy Spirit. I, you know, I want this temple to be strong, body, soul, and spirit. I want my mind, my emotions, my will, man, to be strong because mm. I'm just, I'm coming into prime time now. Yes. Where I got stuff I figured out. I want to share it with people. And that's really about what Life Rekindled is all about. So it's inspired some people, which has been really cool. I love Even that. Some of our closest friends, they're going, man, I got to get healthier. They're picking up running. They're working on their health. And listen, there's benefits. It's helping their marriage. Listen, if you're, physically looking after your body it's good if i'm in good shape it's good for my wife right and vice versa i can't just expect her to look after her body for me i gotta look after me for her right right no absolutely boy i love that okay uh mike thanks so much for being here friends you can find mike at liferekindled.com that's where you yes. find uh everything related to courses and all the things that he's doing plus the books of course i link these at halfway there podcast.com ignite your yes. mission the spark that empowers your purpose and then ignite your marriage the spark that empowers your relationship love that and the leadership books coming later so you want to follow get on the mailing list so you can make sure you get that when the time yes. comes with and, I, and i have uh, these mini podcasts that i do if you go on life rekindled 
scroll down to the bottom it's all of them there are archived and uh perfect uh, you know continuing to work on that just to just get the word out about stuff that i'm thinking about and uh living excellent i love that uh mike thanks so much for being here is there anything you want to leave us with uh no eric man it's been a real treat uh to connect with you and i know there'll be you know more connections in the days ahead and i want to just encourage people in your life when opportunities present themselves don't automatically say no say yes and figure some things out your life will be richer for it amen i appreciate it say yes friends have a great one thanks for being here mike okay Thank you.